Welcome to the Eclectic Readers Book Club on Sunrise Robot, where we binge on books like others binge on Netflix. I'm Meredith. I'm Susan. I'm Jeanette. And I'm Tara. Hi, everyone. Hi, Hi. Meredith. (laughs) How's everyone doing? Uh, Good, good. Um, This isn't what, like, really happens in daily life, but I just wanted to mention, since, you know, we're a book podcast... Um, I actually got a few Usborne books. Um, do you guys know what that is? I have yeah. no idea what that is. No. Oh, okay. no, I'm behind. Oh, God. <laughs> what is it? Yes, it's, it works like Pampered Chef, huh. um, but with books. Huh. So, yeah, um, you have a representative who brings these high-quality books, and you know you do like a party, and you order books and things like that. And I've seen them around, and I finally ordered a few um, through a friend, and they're pretty fantastic. They're really good. So wait, what makes them different? They're supposed to be like super high quality. So if it's a board book, it won't break easily. Oh. Um, and it's supposed to be, I wouldn't say super educational, but a lot of them are really educational and they try to make it interactive and fun for kids. Um, so like I got Emily a, a flap space book. And it talks about space and, you know, you open the flap and it shows like an astronaut and you can put on his spacesuit by flapping it over his body, that type of thing. Very cool. Yeah, and they have like a huge selection. I had no idea it was huge. Oh, yeah, they have a lot (laughs) of books. And they are huge. I wasn't thinking about ordering anything, but then, of course, they had an abridged version of Anna Green Gables. Oh, well, (laughs) there you go. Well, of course, now I have to order it. (laughs) I I, I do want to say... They are not sponsoring this podcast. Just no. Susan was clearly so excited. She couldn't wait. Yes. To, she's just, by the way, guys. Yeah. They're, some of them are really pricey for what they are. Um, but for the majority, for the most part, they're decently priced for like good books. Awesome. So, yes. So yeah. if you find a rep, um, you know, you can now you have some place to go for some really good books instead of just to Target or Barnes and Nobles or something. Yeah. Very and I cool. Think- I think you might be able to shop for some online. At least I've mm-hmm. looked at the catalog online before. Yes. So um, we can put a link to that in the show notes. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. All right. We, we should now get them to sponsor this. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> clearly, <laughs> clearly what we should do, guys. <laughs> so how are you, Jeanette? Um, I'm doing pretty well. I just got back from the beach, actually, where I was able to mm. do a lot of reading. So I caught up on a lot of books that I wanted to finish. And I um, even caught up in my baby book, which I have been sadly neglecting. Don't tell my doctor. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I'm doing really well. And I came back totally rejuvenated. I'm really excited for a bunch of things I've got coming up. So yay! I awesome. Good the beach. times, man. <sighs> How about you, Tara? Oh, opposite of you, <laughs> which is clearly what always happens. I'm always so busy. Um, I just moved to Atlanta which Atlanta is awesome, you guys. Totally come visit. It's great. Um, moved to Atlanta, so I have had no time for reading. I want to say I'm in a reading slump yet. We'll see. Uh, we'll see how it goes. Um, but uh, any free time I've really had, I've been writing lately. So I think I'm just That's prepping cool. for NaNoWriMo, you know, trying to, trying to get those creative juices rolling before November. Um, but what about you, Meredith? How have you been? Oh, I've been great. Um, you know, obviously I wasn't on the regular episode last month because I was still in London when you guys recorded. 
Uh, so I had a great time. Obviously, you know, Tara and I recorded the Cursed Child podcast hey. episode, which was awesome. Check it out if you haven't already. Plug. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, so after, after the play was done, sadly, Tara and her husband had to fly back home. But my yeah. husband and I stayed for a week. So we actually got to go do a bunch of stuff. We uh, kind of went Harry Potter crazy and went to uh, the studio tour, went on a Harry Potter walking tour, went to Platform 9 and 3 quarters, all that good stuff. So it was I'm a really so great jealous. So and jealous. Uh, also hit up the Shakespeare Globe and stopped by 221B Baker Street. Uh, so it was it was a really fun and kind of book nerdy vacation i was just thinking that man it's a bookworm vacay over there man, yeah london is do. the best yeah london is the best for that stuff i can't wait to go back i know there's like tons of dickens stuff and probably so many other authors i'm not even thinking of uh but yeah it was a great time awesome so talking about bookish things um what is everyone reading now well, funnily, I am rereading Kushiel's Dart. Wait, wait, wait. Cha- <laughs> You're rereading Kushiel's Dart? Yes. Can yep. I ask? I mean, listen, I love Kushiel's Dart, <laughs> but it's a giant book, so can I ask why? Well, first of all, I'm listening to the audiobook, so oh, which not is so, so bad. Good. Yeah, not it's bad. It's so good. Yeah. Um, but I am rereading it because someone actually recommended it or uh, requested it at my local book club. So I was like, well, I don't have anything on the roster. So, okay, we can just read it. So I picked it. And also because I read it. So it makes my life a lot easier. Right. You don't <laughs> have to pay attention yeah. to it. Yeah. I've been, as much. I've been designated the leader for this podcast or podcast for this book club. Um, so I've been the one choosing the books, but I keep telling the ladies like, hey, if there's a book, just let me know and I'll put it on, you know, for the next book club. Just So someone actually recommended this book. Well, there you go. You don't even have to reread it. You could just go back and listen to the episode. I was just thinking that I'm going to listen to it before I go into the meeting. <laughs> do you think you're going to continue on with the series this time, or do you think you're all, you're going to stop at Kushiel Start again? I don't know. If I can borrow the audiobook, I just may. Um, I just I may take a break from you know huge books Novels. right now. Yeah. Fair. <laughs> that, well, fair. yeah, that is true. Yeah, they I mean, are great though. Yeah, I mean, it's just Kushiel's Dart, and then I just finished Name of the Wind, and I feel really guilty because I haven't, like, really made headway with Anna Karenina. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But that's a very different type of book. It is, but I just feel really bad. (laughs) But but Susan, Meredith and I both give that entire series a giant thumbs up, so. Yeah, I do want to continue it, so. Uh, What about you, Jeanette? What are you reading? I am reading A Darker Shade of Magic by V.E. Schwab. Also another one I'm Yay! like, you haven't done that yet? It's so good. Oh, I deliberately put that one off. Um, I loved um, Vicious by V.E. Schwab. Like, loved mm-hmm. it. And I've mentioned that probably like 50 billion times on the show already. So if you haven't listened to it or haven't read it yet, you should. Um, but I loved Vicious. And so I deliberately put off A Darker Shade of Magic because I knew there were a couple. And I wanted to kind of line them up. Um, until um, the third one was closer to coming out. Right. Um, so now the third one's coming out. Meredith and I were just talking about this. The third one's coming out uh, next year. Yep, in February, I believe. February, right? Yeah. Okay. So that isn't soon enough. <laughs> I know. I figure you know now is a good time to start that, and um, I, I, you know, I like it so far. 
It's really, oh. really interesting. It didn't like immediately grab me like Vicious did. Mm. So it's more of a slow burn. Have we I like, like maybe hyped it up too much? <laughs> it might, it, it's possible, but I mean, I might have also hyped it up in my own mind because I really, really liked Vicious. Mm-hmm. So I, well, I it could think- be that. Yeah, I think once you get towards the, I, we'll see, we'll see. Next next month on next month's podcast, you'll have to give us an update on what yeah. you thought. Like I said, yeah. it's it's a slow burn. It's not that I don't like it. It's just I'm like, okay, I see where you're going. Like, go a little mm-hmm. more, go a little more, like move faster. <laughs> Come on. So there's that. But I'm really excited. And you know, Ve Schwab, she like does adult books and she does mm-hmm. YA books, and she just put out her new YA book. So I'm like, I need to start like catching up on the stuff she's written. That's this savage putting, song, right? Yes. And yes. I read the first chapter of that. They put out a preview before it was published. And I read the first chapter of that, and I'm really excited about that. So, Well, it just got optioned for a, a movie, I believe. Mm-hmm. And it's been yeah. out, like, a month. So yeah. clearly yeah. she's doing something, right? Oh, man, yeah. yeah. I feel like I just need to catch up. Like, I was like, you're writing too much now. I like, have so much that I want to <laughs> read mean, by you. I know. She's on fire. <laughs> she writes, what, three books a year? That's a lot of books. Yeah. A lot it's, of books. I follow her on genres. Twitter. I mean... Yeah, I do too. And different genres because she does the adult and the um, mm-hmm. YA thing, which is really, really uh, hard, I would think, to jump back from one genre to another within the same year and get all those books out. Because it's a completely different writing style. So you have to like right. re-remember how to write in that writing style for those characters. Um, no, she's super impressive. I totally agree. She's cool. Yeah, we like you. Like you be our friend, be be our best friend. (laughs) Um, What about you, Mare? What are you reading? Well, I did actually pick up the Savage song last week. I was at Barnes and Noble, and it was on the shelf, and it was really pretty. So it is really pretty. Um, I haven't had a chance to start it yet, so I'm just kind of looking at it on my shelf. Uh, But I am reading right now "An Ember in the Ashes" by Saba Tahir. Ooh, I've been thinking about that book. It's really good. And the second book comes out at the end of the month, I believe. So, so yeah, exactly. Like, I'm reading it now. And then um, the YA book club that uh, Jeanette and I are part of, I think we're going to read A Torch Against the Night, which is the second book that comes out in a few weeks. So, yay. Um, It's really good so far. Um, I'm really enjoying it. It's it's definitely fast-paced. And I also just started trying out the Serial Reader app. Uh, which are, do you guys know what I'm talking about or no? No. <laughs> yes. No, no I still no. I'm clearly the behind person here. What is the Serial Reader app? Is it called the Serial Reader? It is. It's called the Serial Reader. And pretty much it's an app where you can read a bunch of uh, classics, uh, classic books, where they send you uh, little pieces of the book every day through the app that you should be able to read anywhere between 10 to 20 minutes. So just little chunks. Uh, But I think it's going to be a really interesting and nice way to incorporate more classic books into my daily reading without, uh, you know, like taking up a ton of time because I just feel like my TBR is never ending. It's always growing. Uh, So, so far, um, they call them issues that they send you. So far, I'm only a couple issues in, but I'm starting with The Three Musketeers by Alexandra Dumont. Uh, because I, I mean, I know the story, but I've, I've never actually read the book. Okay. And it can also count for a book bingo square because it has a number in the title. Nice. Oh, that's right. Nice. <laughs> well, how long it, does the app say it's going to take you if you read that 20 minute section every day? This one, it says it, this one has 90 issues. 
Wow. So Jeez. it's going to okay. be a long time. A while. Will you even finish <laughs> yeah. it by the end of the year? Uh, yeah, you will. Yeah, you three will. Months, what am I yeah. saying? Of course you will. <laughs> Um, and I, I believe, um, again, they're, they're not paying us to advertise for them. Um, but, uh, right now I have the free version. But we really should be better about this, guys. I'm serious. (laughs) Yeah, free advertising for everyone. Uh, Um, but I, I do believe there is a paid version of the app that is not very expensive, but it allows you to read more than one issue at a time if you so desire. Um, So I might look into that. I was um, just going to ask, like, what happens if you miss a day? Does, then you just get, like, a backlog? Well, that's the thing. Yeah, I'm not sure. Meredith hasn't dared miss a day. <laughs> <laughs> well, like I said, I'm like, this is, like, my third day, literally. I mean, um, so, also, let's be real. We're all Hermione's. Would we ever miss a day on something like that? Yeah, so I'm not sure if it disappears or, yeah, if you just get a backlog and then you could just read a bunch at once or um, I'm not sure yet. But I'll, I'll let you know if, uh, if I miss one, what happens? Yeah, all right. <laughs> Sounds like a plan. Um, uh. Gosh, I'm not reading anything right now. <laughs> uh, as I said, you know, I'm sort of in the middle of my life changing, which it, I feel like my life is always changing on this podcast. I feel like I say that a lot. Um, but I've done a lot since we started this podcast. I've gotten married. We've gotten a house. I've moved to Atlanta. It's sort of crazy. Um, but that being said, you know, I'm, I'm thinking a few things. I'm thinking about either like maybe the fifth wave or our next book is bees or then there's sleeping giants or the crowns game. Um, so poll, which one do you guys think I should, I should go ahead and do. I actually think you'd really like the crowns game. So yeah. 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 I've read that one. I think you would like it. Um, let's see. Sleeping Giants. I also I have on my Kindle because I got it on sale. I've heard yeah, great too. things about it, but I haven't started it myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, Crowns Game. Is that a female protagonist or male protagonist? Um, it actually oh. alternates. <sighs> yeah. Ooh. But it would count for a female protagonist square in book bingo. Yeah. <laughs> um, it These would count for the important. alternating perspective yeah, square there's that okay. one perspective or in another country no i've already got those oh. i've um, got those guys it counts for oh never mind that was for our readathon no don't um. worry about it guys i'll figure <laughs> out i'll read it anyway uh, it doesn't need yeah. to be for book bingo it's just you know a nice a nice little bonus if it if it fits book bingo yeah. you know as it's we've re- just yeah it's a lot of fun um yeah i recommend uh doing it the way we did it and reading it and then watching Anastasia on Netflix. Ooh. <laughs> um, nice. With a sing-along. Oh, even better. It's quite a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, <laughs> How about we do that virtually, guys, with a bunch of people? Just all do a big Anastasia sing-along. That sounds amazing. Just turn down our headphones so we don't all you know, <laughs> cause each other to be deaf. So, uh... You know, moving on a little bit, um, last podcast, and not the special episode podcast, but the book book podcast, we had a discussion about the fear of missing out on books and, um, you know, how we feel peer pressured (laughs) into reading every now and then. I've got to say, like, if you go on our Goodreads page, people had opinions. Yes. Um, There was a lot of back and forth about... um, you know, the fear of, you know, being left out on a conversation and the difference between 
being peer pressured outside of a book club versus being peer pressured to read something in a book club, because that's uh, sort of what you sign up for a little bit when you join a book club. Um, and, you know, I just wanted to take a second to acknowledge all the amazing comments and to say, you know, we're still discussing it right now, even a month later. So you want to jump on and have that conversation with us. Uh, you know, we're going to put the link to that discussion in the show notes. So please, please do that. I mean, guys, right. We're, weren't they incredible? Yes. I thought the comments were incredible. Oh, they yeah, really were. A lot of and fun. It was, yeah, it was interesting how like different the people people's opinions were, and like how many people had opinions about you know what is peer pressure reading versus not peer pressured reading. Yeah, that was really interesting. Yeah, I didn't realize it'd be so dis- d- divisive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but on to our. Uh, general book talk in general. Uh, There was a great article, I'm sure probably most of us saw it, on NPR. And again, we will also put this article in the show notes uh, about how um, serialized fiction is sort of coming into uh, the general mindscape and how they can maybe convert binge watchers uh, into binge readers. Um, You know, they, they argue a lot about how making it serialized as Meredith <laughs> Meredith so aptly um, put with her app. It, it makes it very available and accessible to readers, these longer um, books. Um, what do you guys think? You know, do you think that serialized reading equals binge reading? Do you think serialized reading works? Um, I, you know, it kind of depends how the serialized reading is kind of set up. Like, I like the way Meredith says, you know, you, she gets a kind of a part of the book every single day because if I have to go looking for it, like when um, Cassandra Clare was doing um, her Bane Chronicles, mm-hmm. I had to go looking for them. And maybe about halfway through, maybe not even halfway through, I actually just, I would, for, I forgot to go. And so I never actually finished the Bane Chronicles. I think I got through the first four or five. Okay. So I think it can work. But I, as far as, you know, reading something in a tiny chunk, if I don't have it in front of me, I'm probably not going to read it. Because, you know, there's a lot in front of me that I still have to read, guys. <laughs> there is a lot. Um, I also read the Bane Chronicles and uh, the follow-up to that, the Shadow... the. Adventures in the Shadow Hunter Academy. I forget exactly this the Simon book, uh, the Simon version where she released them uh, about monthly. Every story about monthly. Um, I just signed up for all of them, and so they immediately came to my Kindle. So I read them, and that was really easy to me. Um, and I liked it, with the exception of that though. And another book I read and have been reading now for it's a it's a series of books. And I read it weekly on Saturdays for about. Um, six years (laughs) oh wow a long time no this book has been going on a long time it's only published online um with the exception of those three things i have never read anything serially and i was already really invested in either the author or the world when that came on i I just don't know if i would jump on to a a serial if i wasn't already invested yeah, yeah, I mean, I, oh, go ahead. No, I it and 
honestly, reading the article, I found it somewhat confusing because they talk about serializing and then they also talk about binge reading, which to me are two different things. I mean, oh, they yeah. have to be, right? Um, yeah. You know, I mean, serializing, like, you know, you get a little chunk every day or every week or, you know, however they work it out. Mm-hmm. But then binge reading is where you read a whole bunch at once, you know, um, what I know, I did that with the Divergent series and probably some other series where I pretty much waited until they were all out and just read them back to back, you know, um, so I didn't have to wait for one to come out. And It's uh, literally I, the opposite to me. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, they are. That's what I was just going to say. It's like they really, those really feel like opposite ideas, serialized versus binge reading. And I can see how serialized reading could lead to binge reading like Mm -hmm. if you're somebody like tara who you know serializes something that you're already into so then you know you maybe you wait you stock up and then you read it all at once but i've done that (laughs) yeah Yeah, i mean mean, i think we've all kind of done that once or twice i mean that's what i'm trying to do with uh ve schwab right now is i kind of waited so that i can read them really close in really close proximity but I kind they're of not think, the same idea. No, they're not. Because the difference is, I mean, to, to put it in a different medium, the difference is between, you know, going to a comic book store every week, picking up your issues and reading, you know, your serialized content mm-hmm. once a month um, on various different issues versus waiting till the graphic novels come out and picking right. up a graphic novel. Yeah. And those are two very different experiences. Yeah. I mean, back in the day, they serialized fiction was super popular because they would put in in anthologies and that's how people found books that they may be interested in or authors they may be interested in um that's harder now with the internet because you can just find anything everywhere um but i feel like if they're just talking about binge watchers like people who watch a lot of tv moving Mm -hmm. towards reading i think serialized fiction may just work because not a lot of people are speed readers you know, so if they get small chunks a day or weekly or something, and I'm not saying they have to go to a store and get it. Like maybe if they just there was an app like like serial reading app and um, just have the content pushed to their phone or tablet or whatever. So it's easy access and they can read just for a little bit a day um, that might actually pull them in because then once they get into it, they're like, oh, I don't want to wait for the next issue. I want to go and get the book. See, I want I want to put forth a different option. You know, I think people have been saying for a long time now that there's been there's been this rise in YA adult readership, right? And I think that's because a lot of YA books are much more accessible. I think they come out more frequently, um, and they're typically in very long series. And I think you know we're sort of becoming. Thank you, Netflix. Um, <laughs> becoming used to the idea of series of this idea of this long continuous conversation and that standalone fantasy standalone escapism reading really just isn't happening or or just really isn't staying as popular as it used to be oh no series has definitely become is definitely a big thing like single novels are kind of not rare but definitely not that popular in the fantasy and sci-fi world yeah they're not as common Mm -hmm. but i will say this a lot of readers that i've encountered in the past couple of years are getting a little bit of bit tired of having so many series out. I was um, part of a book club at my job for a while and um, 
we were reading, were we reading Divergent? Something like that. Um, something in that vein. And everybody, you know, was mostly positive about it. But then when they were asked, you know, would you continue with the series? Everybody was kind of like, you know, I don't know. Like, so many books are in series now. And it was around the time where we had actually just read a fantasy book or a sci-fi book that was not a series. So I recommended that. Mm -hmm. And they were like, oh, thank goodness. Like, there's just so much out there. And I don't want to start series anymore. Well, well, again, like TV, people keep recommending different TV shows to me. And I'm like, where do you think I actually have the time to watch these 30 amazing shows? I don't, I don't have it. I've got to, um, I've got to pick five or six tops and stick with it. And so I, I get that. I feel that same way with other mediums. Everything's sort of moving to this and it's, it is exhausting. It is exhausting. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's a really negative note to end this conversation on. <laughs> well, um, I was, I, I was going to add that um, one thing that uh, Meredith, you had noticed that you know series are getting shorter. Didn't you say something about um, trilogies not being a thing anymore mm, the other right. day? Oh yeah, it seems like duologies. That's the word, right? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> Those are like seem to be kind of the next big thing where it's two books instead of three and and you know they might come out a year or six months or something apart Mm -hmm. uh which kind of goes along with maybe the idea of binge reading Mm -hmm. Uh, and i think the article also mentioned the annihilation trilogy which are all pretty short books right um and then they were all released what within a year um which is pretty interesting um, but yeah, so I mean, I think duologies, you're like, okay, well, at least there's only two books. You know, I, I can yeah. do this. <laughs> I could do that. I really could. And I think, you know, that's another point that you made about the Annihilation books is that they were released in all in one year. And um, I, they did that as kind of an experiment around uh, serialized reading, it says in this article, which I think is really cool. And yeah, I'm a lot more likely to go ahead and pick up all of a series if I can pick it up all at all at once because what happens to me is a lot is I'll pick up a series and then I'll pick up another series and you know I start to kind of weigh them in order of which one I want to follow first so I much prefer to binge a series I will do that too I like to get really immersed and that that's the other positive thing I'll say about series is that I don't have to leave a world you know I I get to really spend time with characters and really get to experience the world and I I do love that. I love it. And um, I do I, I do want to say the only other example of serialized reading I can think of, and, and now that I've thought about it, I have to say it's probably wildly popular, wildly popular, is um, chapterized fan fiction. Hmm. Yeah, I, but... Tons of people write in chapter-by-chapter chapter fan fiction and have huge followings online. That's true. Um, and people read that every day, write it and content it and read it every single day. So, I mean, clearly it could work if, but once again, those are people who are already invested in a world and a set of characters, just expanding a story. Yeah. That's what makes it different than like, you know, something brand new by a new author. Um, Right. Which I, you know, I think, I think it will help a, a binge watcher if it was like a shorter amount like, you know, 10 pages or whatever that they read weekly or monthly and keep going with the story, I think that would help readership, like, go up, you know? Um, I th- well, I think it depends on why you don't read and why you don't yeah. watch 
uh, or why you binge or why you don't binge yeah. too. Like I'll like my husband is the ultimate serialized reader. If you're talking about breaking <laughs> up reading into small chunks, he has been reading like he's been reading a Harry Potter book a year <laughs> since, oh, geez. since we got married and he reads them in like one to two chapter bits Every couple of weeks. Oh my gosh, how can you? I can't do that. I literally <laughs> I can't. Like, it's giving me how anxiety thinking about that. Seriously. But this is the same man that, you know, House of Cards comes out and he, you know, can park himself on the TV for hours. <laughs> so, you know, but it's, you know, I think it's a matter of like, why don't do you want to do this one thing versus why you don't, you don't want to do this other thing. And I think a lot of it has to do with, um, you know, you can sort of passively intake TV. Yeah. Whereas with reading, you kind of have to invest more of yourself and your brain power and stuff into it. So I, when I, I binge, say, like I do it a lot, like after work, because I'm like, Ooh, I'm tired. I'm going to binge a couple of episodes of the show, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, you know, it sounds like we're prepared to have this big American experience or not American world experiment. Let's try serialized reading. But at the same time, maybe we should be prepared to admit that, TV and books are just not the same. And, yeah. and the reasons why you experience both are not for the same reasons. And what may work for one might not work for the other. So, um, so yeah. But I think we'd be willing to give it a go. I may download that app. Again, not sponsored. Again, should be sponsored. Uh, but maybe oh, I'll download that app, Mary. I should also mention um, that it's not out on Android yet. No. <laughs> oh, but Nothing's out on Android. They said no, they, do have a, they did have a preview the other day in the store. So yeah. oh, thank God. they're like beta testing it. So yeah. it'll be soon. Yeah. Soon. Oh, yeah. Crossing there, fingers. <laughs> you can, uh, you can get early access because I did look it up. Nice. So. Doing it right now. <laughs> Thanks serial reader people for caring about us. Android folks. Mm-hmm. Let's see. We're looking at you. <laughs> oh, Lindsay, they're working on it. They are working really hard. I know they, they tweeted the other day that it's really, really close. So okay. I'm hoping sometime within a week. Oh, oh I, I don't know. For you guys to get on. <laughs> <sighs> so, all right um well now that we've hassled serial reader and litzy and you know a bunch of other potential sponsor sponsors (laughs) why don't we move on to our main read um so our book this time was of course the name of the wind which is the exact opposite of a serial reading book oh yeah if you're trying to get it done within a month to meet a podcast deadline um, yes. <laughs> so um, I'm just going to give a quick summary and then we can get into it. So when we meet our protagonist in the name of the wind, he is living as Kote, a simple innkeeper who is new in the neighborhood. But through a couple of strange events, he meets the chronicler who real who recognizes him for who he really is. Kvoth, a legendary hero. And Kvoth reluctantly agrees to take three days to tell the Chronicle his true life story in his own words. So this novel covers the first day of that story in which Kvothe shares his early upbringing in a troop of traveling entertainers, the tragedy that changed his life, and how those early events affected and even led to the adventures he experiences in his days at the university studying magic. So that was a really hard summary, and it covers like nothing that happens in this book <laughs> because it's such a long book. But I did my best. So, what is one thing that stood out to you in this book? Oh man, 
Yeah, well, right? <laughs> one thing. God, that question. <laughs> every every time. Um, I, you know, I really liked how this is clearly a high fantasy novel, right? It has huge world building. It has um, a really great magic system. All of these things that define high fantasy, but it's so accessible. It's told in such a way that it, it doesn't, you know, no offense, Tolkien, it's not Tolkien. You know, it, it's very, it's very accessible. It's very quick. You know, we mentioned it's what almost a thousand pages. It's huge, right? It's yeah, a giant it's, book. My copy was 700 something pages. Yeah. It's a giant book. I ended up reading it in like four days. Whoa. Oh, Which yeah. is it, nuts, you know, because, but once you got started, it just, you just got so involved. I, I just really loved it. I really loved it. Yeah, I, I definitely loved it too. I think one thing that maybe stood out to me was the way it was told was different than what I was expecting. Uh, I was kind of expecting it to be like set in present, like, you know, like you're going along as the action happens. And yeah, maybe something more like Tolkien where they're on a quest of some sort. So the fact that it was kind of told, you know, as like a, as a story, like, you know, this guy is telling his life story uh, was a little different, but I enjoyed it. Just wasn't expecting it. Yeah, I liked the um, the characterization. Um, they they were fun, and he did a really good job of making characters like either likable or very not likable. Um, I don't know about relatable, but the characters were fun, and I enjoy that because um, I can enjoy a character even if I don't relate to them. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, I really liked how he fleshed out the characters. Yeah, I would agree. Like, I really loved the world building and how, like, um, accessible is, I think, exactly the right word, Tara. Like, because you definitely look at a 700-page fantasy novel and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm never going to get through this. And it was just amazing. Like, I just was like, oh, yeah, now I am part of this world. I know. I think when they picked this, weren't we all like, oh, my God, we only have three and a half weeks to read this. How are we going to get through it? And then, yeah, I mean, it was was like nothing for any of us. (laughs) I was really convinced that, like, my week at the beach was going to be spent reading this book pretty much every single day. But I got so involved, like, I actually finished it before I went to the beach. So I had to bring something else. So (laughs) it was just really, really um it just wrapped you up and like dragged you into it. And I, that's like this book that I've been looking for all along. Like I wish this book had come along during my reading slump because this was what I'd been looking for. Well, there's a second (laughs) one for the next one. I can't wait that long. I know. Anyways, but, um, so let's talk about the way the story's told. Um, in this book, of course, Kavos is sharing his own story uh, how was your perception of the story or of Kavoth himself affected by the fact that he's basically narrating his own life story? It's a man's world. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I feel like, and I think the author admits this, you know, it's a, it, it's biased. He's an un, he's an unreliable narrator. Um, and the, and we even see that in the novel, I think when, when we've come out of the story and we are sitting back at the tavern and you get the interaction between him and his apprentice and the um, chronicler. 
And, and you see, like, what's really maybe going on. Um, you know, he's not telling a truth. He even says, like, he, it's very meta at times. And he's just like, well, you know, this is my, it, this is my percentage. He's like, well, every woman in your book is beautiful. And he's like, well, they are. <laughs> to me, <laughs> at this point, they were all beautiful. Um, but it does, you know, and I, that being said, like, I still... No, high fantasy is tropey. That's just how it is. But um, but at least he's very aware that he's going to be tropey a bit in his own retelling. Um, so you know, it has some of those some of those problems a little. Yeah, I do like when he like makes reference to the fact, like, well, if this were a book, you would expect it to go like this. So now but I'm going didn't. to tell it like this. <laughs> I mean, oh God, you know who did that? Also, Kushiel's Dart does that too. Uh, not, yeah, not, but not quite she, the same way. Yeah, not, not if this was a book, because they're not telling a story to be written down. But she's just like, I know you would think that this is what would happen. But this mm-hmm. is not what happened. This is what happened. She does that <laughs> all the time. That really yeah. annoyed me in Kushiel's start. Oh, I don't yeah. know why yep. it didn't annoy me as much. Mm-hmm. I think Probably because he didn't because, mention it that often. Yeah, I was going to say, I think he does it very, very infrequently. So that when he does do it, it's more like a wink than a, you know... You might you think that I, you know, you might think I did this, but I did that. And yeah. then you don't find out what she's talking about for like a hundred pages. And then she's like, remember I said I did this? There you go. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. That's very true. Um, yeah. Uh, what about you guys, Susan Meredith? How was your perception affected? Um, I don't know if it was affected because I knew it was from his point of view. So I was already thinking, oh, so this is what he thinks of this whole situation and, um, and, uh, things like that. So I don't really, I don't think it was changed from my original thinking of what it was going to be. Um, cause the summer is like, it's told from his point of view. I was like, oh, well, it's going to be a guy. So, <laughs> right. <laughs> how a guy thinks (laughs) (laughs) right yeah i mean it it didn't bother me um but yeah we all we just have to take the story for what he's saying it is uh whether it's all true or you know some version of the truth you know we don't know but and i'm okay with that but i still want to know what's happening in the current world you know (laughs) right um See, what I found interesting about it, and I didn't realize it until, like, afterwards when I was thinking about it and I was coming up with these questions, and I was reading this interview that uh, Meredith found from the Wired Book Club, and they interviewed Patrick Rothfuss about um, The Name of the Wind and how he wrote it and how he thinks about the characters and whatever. But I was, you know, kind of recognizing that I think part of what made this book like so easily um i don't engrossing maybe like (laughs) is um you know that the story is still going because you know kvothe's still alive and you know there are things happening in the present day so you kind of like want to keep going because you want to keep finding out like how this world keeps expanding because clearly in the present day it's expanding even more. Absolutely. You know, mm-hmm. why does he own an inn now? When did he meet a fairy prince? Stuff like that. <laughs> well, and I was wondering too, like, does that take away from the stakes? Like, you know, if he's, you know, for example, facing a dragon, the dragon's not going to kill him because he's t- telling this story. I mean, 
True. We know yeah. it's a trilogy. <laughs> we know it's a tr- that's every serial that's every um series book you know does it does it you know hurt us knowing that this is a series that the main character is going to stay the main character i mean the only book series i can think about that killed its main character is uh game of thrones spoiler alert um i can think but- of one other one but i'm not going to spoil it okay um i know it makes people angry <laughs> so yeah Oh, Meredith thought where I was going anyway. (laughs) I'm still angry about it. I don't know know. what y'all are talking about. All right, tell us after. I'll tell you afterwards. (laughs) All right. So, okay. So that being said, how did um, you feel about Kvothe as a character within his story? I mean. Does someone want to take this before I take it? Because I've got a lot of feelings. Why don't you go first then? (laughs) Fine, fine. All right. So, like I said, um, I'm good with what I'm about to say. This is not a huge criticism at all. Um, high fantasy, high fantasy, like sits on tropes, especially character tropes. In order for you to like really delve into the world building and the magic system, all these things, the characters at least a little need to be a little bit recognizable, so they don't spend as much time on them. That being said, Kvoth is totally a Gary Stew. I mean, in every way, Gary Stew could be a Gary Stew. Um, he's good at everything. He's sort of this child prodigy. Um, you know, he started with a happy family, loving parents, smart kid. His parents are then killed by the forces of darkness. The kid vows revenge on them. He uses his superior intellect and prodigy-like skills to track and hunt these things down. I mean... This is the story of every male character. This is the story of Harry Potter. This is the story of Batman. I, this is just what high fantasy, though, um, does. This is the hero journey. And that's, that's fine. It's fine. It's just not new. So I knew him, and I felt really comfortable with him. Um, but sometimes annoyed by him, as you know, younger teenage male characters can be annoying. Um, but... He is what he is, you know? Yeah. And I mean, I agree with that, but it, I think it doesn't take away from the story necessarily, like he said. I mean, it is it is that way, but um, sometimes he was annoying where it's just like, man, he is just good at everything. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and not, really good at everything. Like, not yeah. kind of good, but like, real good. Like, right. Way better than Harry Potter is at magic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and and that's not to say that he's had an easy life. Uh, he certainly hasn't. You know, he's had to work for what he has. But when he when you know he tries something, it's like the first time. It's like, oh, I'm really good at this. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they um, do and, point out that you know they allude that he's a genius. You know, he's super intelligent. Um, personality and situation aside, so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, they, and with Harry, they don't really say that he's just a regular kid, intellectual wise. No, he's really good at the thing he's supposed to be really good at, though, right? Like he can cast Living. Patronus super yeah. early. <laughs> Not like defense against dark arts stuff. <laughs> He was the living, boy yes, That's living, living is also true. Yeah. <laughs> um, but a female version of this is Clary from the Shadowhunter Chronicles from the City Books. Mm-hmm. Um, she's really good at everything. You know, she finds out she's the shadow hunter and boom, she's like super good at it. Um, you know, she was an artist beforehand. So it's, you know, it, it's just, it's the hero story, you know, struggle, giftedness, defeat the bad guys. It's, it is what it is. I will say this though, about both as a character and, you know, 
we have to do we have if we're taking into account like the fact that he's telling his own story like there mm-hmm. could be a lot of like not naturally good at things that he kind of glosses over yeah, i was pretty good at that when in reality yeah okay maybe this time it took a few tries but um <laughs> absolutely unreliable narrator absolutely that, you know that is part of the problem but i will say this as opposed to like most characters kind of in this vein where it's like oh you're automatically special um because you know how to do something what i found um what i find is that a lot of times those characters what they give those characters is that those characters become you know impulsive and make poor choices or become suddenly very stupid for no good reason um this was one of the problems i had with clary as a character is that there were times throughout the series where Clary would just be really stupid for no good reason, and at other times she'd be really smart. I'd be like, this is not a consistent character, but I understand for consistency's sake, then you'd be completely unlikable because you'd be a total Mary Sue. We talked about it. It's the... um she was built to be Harry Potter, but like the female version of Harry Potter. Right. Harry does the exact same thing. Sometimes he comes up with the best idea possible, and then sometimes it's the stupidest idea possible. Why would you follow Malfoy into a bathroom, Harry? Just like, what are you doing? Why are you being so weird? But with, <laughs> with Harry, I find that there's more substance to it usually. Like, he follows Malfoy after becoming obsessed with Malfoy. This isn't just something he does on a whim one day. Alright, I'm, I'm gonna cut this conversation off because we anyways. literally had this conversation in another podcast, so feel free to go listen to that No, one. What, uh, but what yeah. I, the point that I'm trying to make is that, like, a lot of times they, they put in, like, character unevenness. With Kvothe, I didn't feel like it was uneven. Like, he's stupid and impulsive in making decisions pretty much consistently almost annoyingly consistently and if he weren't like if he weren't a young boy mm-hmm. then i would be like okay i really just can't read more of you like if he'd been an adult i would have been like oh no but it's <laughs> it's like consistent and i think that's you know the harry potter the kavoth thing versus like the clary thing like i just if clary was going to be stupid i just want her to be stupid all the way through which is a weird thing to say <laughs> we don't agree on this topic, so I don't, but I don't want to have a fight over Clary, <laughs> over Clary yeah. on a, on this podcast. No, um, but I like just... I said, we had this discussion on Clary's podcast. Um, but I agree with you that he is consistent, and to, to that fact about his character, he grows. You know, I think he's really, really impulsive in the very beginning of oh his gosh, time so in university. Impulsive. But I do think that mellows out quite a bit. You know, a, a bit towards the end of this book. You know, I think he thinks about it before he does something, or at least like thinks like there's going to be consequences to this. Oh, but well. still does it. Yeah. Yes, I mean, but at least uh. he has that realization, <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, I think it's also nice that because he's telling this story as an adult, we do get some of those asides where he's like, "Yeah, that was pretty dumb," or "Yeah, like I was a teenager and you know, like I was dumb with girls and I was awkward." You know, like so we're still getting some of that uh, validation that like, yeah, that wasn't the best thing. <laughs> yeah, and it it does help. Like because, you know, you don't want your character to be completely perfect, and you don't want your compl- character to be completely flawed either. Like you do want a nice balance. Mhm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, a few weeks ago, Shira, who is the member of our IRL Eclectic Readers Club, who picked this book, she was in town. 
and I was talking to her about this book. And apparently she had run into somebody who had recently read the book, a friend of hers. And her friend was uh, talking to her about the book and how much he liked it. And then he, like, kind of paused, I guess, and looked at her and he was like, you know, I'm really interested in to get to get your perspective of this as a female because it's a very male-centric book in that, you know, it's told from Kvothe's point of view and there are very few females in the story. Very. Very yeah. few females. And so my question was, what did you think about that? The, the few females there are from that male perspective and is a book being told from a male perspective the same as being bad at females because i did not get the sense that he was bad at females i got the sense that Kvothe was bad at females but not necessarily <laughs> the author well he doesn't give us a lot of options does he the author no. he doesn't give us like a myriad of females like i i i said before we started recording but like there's no female authority figure outside of his mother which we get very little of, and she's almost an angel and a pinhead sort of a character, you know? Um, there's, there's no complicated female innkeeper. There's it, it, there's no one to really gravitate to her towards outside of Denna and Ari, and I forget the med student's name. Oh, uh, Fella. shoot. No, Fella's the one who works at the fishery with him. Oh, well, she's Fella, too. Fella, too. Fella, yeah, too. I think I, Fella's the one I'm thinking of. Okay. The, the one who has a crush on him? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> which, again, all these girls sort of want him, need him, have a crush on him. Um, maybe there were other women, and just because it's a male protagonist, um, he doesn't care about them because they're not sexual interests to him or people he can save. But that being said, that says more about Kvothe or more about the writer and how the writer and K- thinks Kavos sees the world, or how the writer chooses to have Kavos see the world. So, um, I, I mean, I think there's some problems there that, in comparison to other male-centric novels, I don't see. Because at very least, and granted this is still part one of three parts, and let's be fair, um, no, I was going to say something, but I don't think that's true. Eowyn... A- no, Eowyn doesn't come into the Tolkien, into Lord of the Rings till book two, right? Yeah. Correct. Yeah. So Eowyn's really your first, you know, Banff uh, female in Lord of the Rings. So maybe there's a second Banff, maybe there's a Banff female somewhere in a in the King Killer trilogy. Uh, we just haven't met her yet. I don't know. So I honestly think there already is. Like, I, I suspect that is what Devi will grow into. The money lender. Yeah. Oh, Devi! Mm-hmm. I oh, forgot about Devi. Yeah. I really like. Never liked mind. Her. I take I take back what I just said because Devi is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, I totally forgot about Devi. I was like, why isn't there a character like that? I'm like, and there is. Um, Devi is great, but we see her so so infrequently. Why isn't she around more? But that's well, like all the other females he really interacts with, except for Ori. And I I feel like you know the whole part where he promises her that, you know, he's going to give her certain access to the um, to the library. It's going to come to bite him in the butt? Well, I think it's going to come to bite him, but I think it's going to come to make Devi 
a much more central part of the story, and I think we're going to get a true sense of her awesomeness then. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. what I was thinking. Yeah. I could see that. Oh man, if we're building this up and then that doesn't happen, I'm going to be so upset now. <laughs> <laughs> just, wanna, just want to say you you've set an, you've set a bar now. <laughs> I don't yeah. know if I. It's just I've it's a prediction it. I'm making. Okay, I'm hoping okay. I'm right. <laughs> That would be really yeah. cool. That's what I was hoping when he's like, oh, I found the, a way to the library. Said, oh, yes. Now they can have like adventures together. <laughs> <laughs> Debbie and Kaboth adventures. Yep. High five. Pretty much. Um, <laughs> he did write a short story in this world for Ari. Yes, oh. I saw. Know about I saw that. that. So, I haven't read it yet, but I plan to. Yeah, that would be interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I agree that the female characters are few and far between. I don't know if it really bothered me necessarily i mean i get you know he was part of a troop where i guess they didn't have other kids his age and then he was on his own for a long time and now he's at a university that's primarily male so there's just not a lot of females around Um, this is the author but these are author choices true true you know but it it didn't necessarily bother me. Um, I would like to see more of the female characters that he put in because I think they are pretty cool. I really do like Ari. So yeah. that uh, short story would be interesting to read. I'm I sure. Mean, I would rather have a few handful of good written females than you know a whole slew of females where they're just like, look, it's all about girls and girls. <laughs> no, but. <laughs> like, an innkeeper, a random innkeeper could be a female and it wouldn't hurt the story. You know no. what I mean? Like, there could be background characters that you literally just switch the pronouns and no. it wouldn't hurt the story. No, I definitely understand, but I feel like that's slowly happening. I, I feel like, especially said, he said he wrote this like way back in the early 90s. Um, where and God no, there was no girl power yeah, conversation during exactly. the early '90s at all. I mean, Spice Girls wasn't around. No, but I mean, would he really <laughs> listen to the Spice Girls and really care? No, he wouldn't. <laughs> um, Maybe that's his problem, Sue. Maybe that's the problem right there. There's no spice in his life. There's no spice in his life. <laughs> <laughs> well, we can write him a letter and tell him what we want, what we really, really want. <laughs> <laughs> And especially in high fantasy roles, I mean, I feel like the the few that I've read, it's just always, you know, the male perspective. You know, it's it's I would I mean, like Kushiel's Dart, that that was really nice, and it's like a refreshing twist, you know, on that. Um, mm-hmm. But God, that I feel like, so yeah, and I mean, to me, it's like if you want to make a, you know. NPC, a guy, okay, fine, whatever. I would rather see a good lead female character than just throwing in girls here and there. So, you know. Absolutely. But it's nice to have representation in general so it doesn't feel like you're swimming in a sea of testosterone. And then you see a light, (laughs) one flickering light (laughs) out in the corner in the dim darkness. Yeah. And uh, hopefully, you know, maybe we'll see more or maybe we see better development of the female characters, which would be really nice, too. Yeah, I, I mean, I I would really rather have, again, like good female characters than, you know, a bunch of um, bimbets, like the background girls in Beauty of the Beast, just following us <laughs> on my head. Oh my gosh. They add, too. <laughs> um, I well, I, I, no, it makes sense in that movie. My point because, is, in this But also, story, in that movie, you get both. <laughs> but in that movie, good, good example, you get both. You get a great female lead you have them in bets you have female background characters like mrs pops you get everything right everything but, but what i'm saying is like you know kavoth i think part of his problem 
with women, and I think this is specifically Kavos, not the author, is Kavos like, well, yes, then this woman, you know, followed me around, and this woman threw her arms around me, <laughs> and this woman opened the door and she was undressed or whatever, you know? Like and that. I think it's very much his his woman problem, like his fascination with women and, you know, seeing them in a certain way versus the authors, because the few, like, real female characters that we get are developed a little bit better than that, but they're not fully developed. And that's what I would like to see in the rest of the series, is them being fully developed Mm -hmm. people. I agree with that. Yep. And, yeah. like, And especially Dana, who is clearly supposed to be our female lead in this story, as much as there is a female lead. But I feel like she is underdeveloped as well. Uh, We haven't touched much on her yet, but... What do you guys think? I like Denna. She's she's sassy. She is. She's so <laughs> she, great. She is like she is like a, a ball of sass and I don't give a f. You know what I mean? She, and 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 has and clearly has her own issues. I wish to a certain extent I really wish that this book wasn't just told from one person's point of view, particularly in the time period where we are meeting Denna, because she seems to be an extremely complicated character that because she doesn't really tell anyone what's going on in her mind um we just don't know that much about her and uh i'd love to know more about her but hopefully we'll get there hopefully we'll get like a you know let's tell all of our secrets scene in some future book um but she does seem like a very complicated character with complicated emotions we just don't have the benefit of her point of view Mm -hmm. i agree yeah, I still don't like her much. <laughs> <laughs> we have to have one dissenter. This would be a very boring podcast. <laughs> yeah, it's just, and I mean, I know part of the reason is because I don't know much about her, which is one of my frustrations. It's like, what is your deal? Especially, like, she pretends that she doesn't know him, even, you know. It's like, well, why didn't you tell me you knew her? It's like, well, that wouldn't be fun, you know. And it's just, I don't know, the elusive type character is not a character I ever gravitated towards and I kind of don't really like. Um, I think I don't think she's always doing it on purpose uh, um, because she does kind of seek him out at times too. But there are times when he's always looking for her, and at times it feels like she's like making him work really hard, and that's kind of not I mean, fair. Although, I mean, although his friends say, you know, she's oh, yes. clearly seeking you out. You know, she climbed up his window and left him a note. I mean, she's she's not not there oh no that's what i said like she's not always not trying like you see her like actually making ways to find him you know but Mm -hmm. it's usually him more than her um and like you said tara it would be nice if we got to see a little bit more of her maybe like a day in the life of denna (laughs) Um, (laughs) to see that she really is looking for a quote um and because i don't know much about her i feel like uh, the author is going more towards the Manic Pixie Dream Girl trope. She's He's not really, um, but because of the situation and how it's working, it feels like that to me. Um, even though I don't really, sh- I don't think she really truly is one. So Yeah, I mean, she doesn't benefit his, uh, Manic Pixie Dream Girl trope is that like he, the character has to benefit oh, definitely. The, the, the male character's life in some way. And I feel like Denna's more of a wrench in his life than benefiting. <laughs> yeah. um, so I don't necessarily... I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying yeah. that like, she, you wish you just knew more about her. Yeah. Uh, but I think we'll get there. You know, this is book I hope one so. or two. Yeah. You've got, you've, or three. You've got to like breadcrumb along. <laughs> oh, um, no, and definitely. she's quote unquote the woman. Yeah. yeah. So. 
And they definitely drop enough hints that, you know, a lot of the things that she does, you know, in terms of being mysterious and hiding and, you know, not expressing herself or sharing everything she's thinking is a lot of self-defense because she hasn't had a lot of people try and take advantage of her. Yeah. And like I said, she has motivations. I know she does. What are they? (laughs) And and so, you know, when she is a more developed character, it'll be really interesting to see how that kind of opens up who she is in this book and why Mm -hmm. she doesn't think she does. Yeah. I totally agree. Yeah. Um, So speaking of Dana, we we're talking a little bit on Goodreads. We opened up a discussion um, and we were talking a little bit about the power of names in this book. And Dana was um, a good example that I believe Kim used uh, because Dana goes by at least three different names that we see. Yeah. In this um, book, she, but besides Dana, I think she goes by Dina and mm-hmm. Diane. I could be. Yeah, I, I think could be making right. up Diane. Um, but yeah, so what? Let's talk about the power of names in this book. I know that there was a lot of discussion on how it goes. It's I'm, goes through the the book in terms of not just the magic, but also in other ways as it relates to the characters. Any yeah, thoughts? I mean, obviously, it's yeah. it's a really big part of the book. I mean, the the book is called "The Name of the Wind." Uh, and, you know, we see him, you know, that's kind of his, his, his point that he's looking towards. He wants to learn the name of the wind. I mean, just, you know, he wants to learn magic and sympathy and all of that. Um, and just names in general, like true names have so much power. You know, they have power in this world. You see it in other uh, cultures and mythology and religions and other, you know, fairy tales. It's... Um, it's it's a big deal, you know. Um, I know we talked a little bit on the Goodreads thread about, um, like, you know, actually it's in Kushiel's Dart in some of the later books. Uh, I don't want to give anything too much away. Um, and uh, in Rumpelstiltskin we talked about and some movies like The NeverEnding Story where he has to save the world by saying the Empress's name and things like that. So, um it's definitely a, a used device, but I think it's really interesting. Yeah, I would agree. And I would say that it's interesting how it applies not just to Denna, but I was thinking about how it applies to Kvothe, who, you know, very clearly establishes this identity as Kote. And you see him become different people depending on who he's talking to and how they're addressing him. Mm-hmm. Um. And his apprentice Bast calls him what is it, Reshi, Rishi? Rishi. Yes. And, and so, like, is that like, out. yeah, is that just like a nickname, or is that like another name he goes by, or like or, a fairy name? Yeah. Like or is it a title? I mean, Bast mm-hmm. we know That's is a fae. True. It could be some kind of fae title. Yep. So, it's very interesting, and I thought, you know, it's how. Um, Near the end of the book, Bass makes mention that Kvoth has turned himself into the innkeeper. Mm-hmm. But they see him as different people, like when they're calling him Kvoth and talking about his um, his past adventures versus when he's just Kote, the simple innkeeper. Because right. the true name has power. True names have a huge amount of power. And, you know, you see it when the chronicler calls him Kvoth. 
the first time, like how it immediately charges the situation. Um, you know, I, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think it's pretty simple. I, I do, you know, I think the magic of it's also really cool. Like the magic of naming and knowing something's true name and the idea that we all know everybody's true name, but it's unlocked in our subconscious or locked up in our subconscious somewhere. But naming is just like one of those, but it's sort of like, like, it's so weird because you look at the magic world, right? You look at the magic and you've got sympathy, which is this very scientific, alchemic magic. Then you've got naming. It's just like, well, if I know this, I can call it and make it do its my bidding. It's like, well, how is that in any way the same magic system? I mean, it can't be, right? Well, it's not. And that's one of the things that Rothfuss makes reference to in the mm-hmm. interview is that he uses both. And he's done science and equations and math and all sorts of things to make the sympathy work. But naming is just naming. So, like, how do we feel about the difference? Of magic? Yeah, the differences between two... Um, types of magic like he makes specific reference how like sympathy is supposed to be kind of science naming is kind of like just magic magic because he wanted both and he talks about like there's differences in the way they're used within universes he makes specific reference to um jk rowling and how magic is just magic magic in her universe like you cast a spell and you know a feather lifts off Hermione's desk. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I like I like having both. I think that makes it really interesting. You know, it's like two, different types of sciences. There's different types of magic. Um, so I really like it that he makes it so diverse. Where it's like if you're not good at one, then you can go towards this other. Yeah. Um, so I, I like it a lot. I think it's really fascinating. Mm-hmm. Naming is just such old magic. Yeah. You yeah. know this idea that like. You know, it's we, we said it, but like Rumpelstiltskin is naming, like knowing, you know, being able to call out the true name to the childlike empress at the end of Never Ending Story. It's naming, you know, like having something's true name is such a powerful thing. And in this book, that's really elemental. That's what I want to call it. It's it's such an elemental magic, as opposed to um, sympathy, where like you're literally controlling the elements, but it's this like trade-off between energies which I actually when they talked about it I was like this is so cool because it makes you feel like you could do it <laughs> in a way. Yeah, which I really like when you really explain it, it's like I could learn to do that so wait if I take straw and I t- <laughs> <laughs> yeah I think which, you know, yeah the basics anybody can do and then if you really want to delve into it and study it then you've learned the fine nuances if mm-hmm. you wanted to yeah mm-hmm yeah, it's definitely, there's, like, a lot more theory to the sympathy, and I think, it, you know, if you got that theory down, that's why they quiz the university applicants, is like, okay, if you've got the theory down, you mm-hmm. can learn the practice, that's easy, but... But you have um, to understand it. Yeah. That understanding, that's really hard, yeah. Um, I think, I, I've been trying to figure out, since we started talking about the way magic is used a few days ago... Um, I've been trying to figure out what the book this reminds me of, um, that I've read recently that I think you guys would like, and I just remembered what it was. So, um, if you're looking for more of like different kinds of magic used in the same book, um, I would say read Uprooted by Naomi Novik. Oh, that's, that's really on my to, to read list. That is also yeah. in my to read list. 
yeah. And they talk, it talks about, uh, the characters talk about different kinds of magic in that one, if I recall correctly. Right. Hmm, cool. cool. Um, yeah. So, in terms of, we're running out of time, so I'm trying to move this along quickly, guys. Um, <laughs> in terms of world building, one of the favorite adventures was, like, the Dragon Adventure. Um, but were there other adventures or parts of the world building that you particularly enjoyed or disliked? I mean, I loved when he, what's the city called? I wish I had his time in Tarabine. Is that the city? Tarbian. Tarbian. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I mean, I thought that was great. I, I, I love seeing him like legit struggle without magic and have to sort of, I don't know what, does that really? That sounds really terrible. Actually, now that I'm saying it out loud, but, but you know, I I think it really um, gives him. I think it really gives him sort of the grit that I needed him to have, or else it would have been too easy. The book would have been just way too easy without that section. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think it's. I understand why it's there. I just felt like it dragged a little bit for me. Um. Yeah. Other people feel that way too. Other people are like, I hate that section. Some people are like, I love yeah. that section. It's really, it's a really necessary section. It like, I think because of the fact that he was dealing with the pain of losing his family at the time, mm-hmm. um, I think that really, really hurt me as a section. I was like, I, I just want this to be over. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I think him being in school and being taught by I can't remember his name, his tutor, Ben. Ben? Ben? I think it was Benthi. Ben. Abenthi. Abenthi, yes, so we call oh. him Ben. <laughs> um, I thought that was, I just, I love, like, those montages of learning, you know? It's like, oh, this is, like, a deeper glimpse into this world that, you know, the author has created in a nice, eatable way <laughs> that you can digest well. Um, so I liked learning about sympathy and how he learned um, from Ben and then used it at school. It's like very, very full metal alchemist. It was funny because Ben would constantly say, you know, Cavo seriously is very, very talented and knows his stuff way better than he should. And I was like, okay, yeah, he's gifted great. And then when you get to university and you actually like see how far ahead he is, you're like, you, you meant all that. But I, I also really <laughs> loved, I also really loved um, all the parts with Ben. And I wish he'd come back. You know, I think. Yeah. Uh, you know, his, his apprentice says, why didn't you go back and look for Ben? He's just like, what was I going to do? I had no money. I had no, like, mm, you could have tried. Yeah. I was really waiting for that, actually, because they yeah. make a reference when he leaves the troop. He says something like, they couldn't have set a better trap for him if they tried or something like that. And I was like, oh, I my know. gosh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it sounds so nefarious, right? <laughs> um, and it never comes back. Right. So Yet, at least. Yeah, I was going to say first book maybe <laughs> later oh man there's so much we still need to know i know <laughs> so many questions oh. well that being said like you know it is the first book it ends at the end of the first day some readers felt that that came too abruptly that ending others could sense it how did you feel i was not expecting the the possessed 
demon-possessed guy to show up. <laughs> yeah, you know. I was oh, yeah. not expecting because I was thinking, oh, hey, this is a good stopping place. Why don't we stop for till tomorrow? And it kept going. I was like, what, what's going on? <laughs> I thought we were done for the day. And then it goes into the whole, like, you know, outlaw being possessed and attacking the inn. I was like, oh, there's a lot more here. <laughs> so I was not expecting that, but I, like, I liked how it ended otherwise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I, I could sense it. You know, I I will admit, I, I didn't 100% know how many books this was coming into it. It was really long, so I figured it probably had other books. Um, my favorite part about the ending is actually um, Bast threatening the Chronicler. (laughs) (laughs) I thought that was great because I didn't expect that. And he was just like, you're going to do this and you're going to remind him who he is. That's going to (laughs) happen or you're dealing with me. And I'm like, I would be scared. (laughs) I was also not expecting that. (laughs) No, not at all. So I thought actually, you know, when it sort of ended and it was like petering out, everyone's going to sleep. I'm like, okay, the book's sort of ending on this note. That's fine. And then, and then that happens. And I'm like, never mind. Nice. Happy, <laughs> happy we get some drama. Because <laughs> um, otherwise, it was just a really nice story up until right then. So mm-hmm. I, I liked the ending. I liked yeah, it. Yeah. I think that you're right. I think it's a, I, and I think it adds a good twist because, like, uh, um, I was about two thirds of the way through and I was reading this, and all of a sudden, like, I put down the book. I was like, I get what's happening here. And, you know, my husband turns and he's like, what are you talking about? Are you talking to me? Are you talking to the book? I'm like, no, the book. I get, like, what's happening. It's three days worth of story. There's three books. This book is going to tell the first day because he's not even out of university yet. Uh, I'm like, this is just the first day. Like, I get what's going on here. And actually, it didn't end exactly where I expected it to, which I think was kind of a nice thing. I I thought he was going to be expelled from the university and that was going to be the end of the first day. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, So I kind of liked that he found a natural stopping place that wasn't exactly where I thought it was going to be. Um, he talks a little bit on his blog about um, doing something similar in another uh, another medium. Like, he likes natural stopping places. Um, which which I liked. But then that whole thing with Bast at the end, like, it's a, it's a nice twist on that. It you is. Know? It's like, <clears throat> it oh, is. okay. It did end the way I thought it would would but not exactly right right which it's nice to keep me guessing it's nice to keep me on my toes I appreciate it you know this was just a straight retelling not as interesting you know I I like all the current day stuff I think it really does add it really does Mm -hmm. add and it reminds you that the story's not over yeah there's something else going on and it isn't done so pay There's attention. a whole lot of stuff going <laughs> like on. Like the demon spiders, guys. What exactly. is up with the demon spiders? I don't yep. know. That is one of the many questions we want answers to. I know, I know. there are others. What are the questions? We'll just put them out there so that Patrick Rothfuss can answer them all for us. Okay, Patrick. <laughs> so demon questions. spiders. What is up with that? Yep. What do they? What do they have to do with anything? Yep. Thanks and love. Why does it seem like uh, Kvoth can't do sympathy anymore when he tried to use it on the the demon-possessed guy? It didn't work. Oh, my gosh. That made me sad. (laughs) Yeah. Is that about the name? Is that because he's thinking of himself not as Kvoth anymore? Is he doing that to himself? That's my Mm. theory. That's my theory, guys. (laughs) Interesting. Because Bobast also says something makes it sound like he can't. 
Yeah. It, it made I, him sound I like he know. used to be able to do a little bit, and now it's been fading ever more, ever more, ever more. And well, I, don't know, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, and like Bess tells Chronicle not to really talk about like singing and his lute, and it's like, well, why? What did what happened? Like, yeah. who broke his heart? There's, <laughs> there's there's so much from his past. I still want answers to, but I also want to know what's going on in present day. Yeah. Like, I what know, the heck is going on? Uh, I, I almost feel like Kavoth had to have traded something essential to himself mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. win something or do yeah. something. It, it feels that way. It feels like he's missing a piece of himself. Yeah. Like he gave yeah. away his true name. <sighs> like he gave yeah. away his true yeah. name. Yeah. We, we shouldn't yeah. start writing the end because then we'll be disappointed. This happens yeah, all the time. I, I've got I've to like walk um, away from that. <laughs> and then I know, I know a few of us had this question too because it's called... <laughs> It's called the King Killer Chronicles. <laughs> so we're saying, so when does he kill the king? <laughs> My guess or, is book three, guys. <laughs> or does he kill the king? king? Yes. Maybe he's like, been what is, Yeah, what is this king killer thing? <sighs> My goodness. Oh, Good man. Questions. So Good many questions. questions. So many questions. We could probably talk for hours, but we're so over time. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so last question. Did you guys like it? Oh, totally. Uh, yeah. Give me more. Give me more. <laughs> Loved it. Yeah. I, like, I'm, I'm torn. I really want to read the second one, but then there's no true like date for the third one. So I think I'm going to have to try to hold off. You I, know, I feel like that. we're joining the courses of Patrick, get your S together, please. Like yeah. I just need the next book. Yeah. I'm not hassling him to finish. I'm just saying that if he wants to answer these questions, we'd really appreciate it. Hey, he can just he can just even message us on the Goodreads page. You know, it can be, it can be personal. We won't yeah, tell. We'll, exactly. You know, hashtag keep the secrets. It doesn't have to be just be a Potter thing. Exactly. We can, we can do it here. <laughs> totally. <laughs> yep. Well, next time on Eclectic Readers, we're going to be talking about The Bees by Laleen Paul, which is a sci-fi book, actually. So we're going a different way. Um, and this is really funny because uh, if you recall, Kim, our queen of the bee theories. <laughs> During the Rabbit Back uh, Literature Society. <laughs> back from Rabbit Back Literature Society. Um, this is Kim's pick. And she told me that she had a really hard time choosing this book because she had thought about choosing Harry Potter and the Cursed Child and she also wanted to pick this, and she had a whole problem where her bee self and her Hufflepuff self came to odds, <laughs> but she figures she's still representing the yellow. So, <laughs> um, Oh, you little badgers, sure- <laughs> you go be adorable. <laughs> oh, she wants to make sure we address that. So um, we appreciate your sacrifice, Kim, as a Hufflepuff. Um and also coming up soon, we'll have a special interview episode with J.D. Lakey. She is the author of the sci-fi series The Black Bead Chronicles, um, the first three books of which are out now. Yes. And um, we've read the first one, and we'll be talking to her a little bit about the first book. And that episode should drop at the end of August, so you can look for that. Woohoo! Um, Exciting! Yeah. Thanks, J.D. Appreciate you coming on. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. exciting. That's all I got. 
<laughs> well, man, we talked about a lot of stuff this time around. <laughs> we totally did. Um, to help you keep track and, and know what we talked about, just check out our show notes on sunriserobot.net slash readers slash 20. What, what? Wow. <laughs> 20, guys. Yep. Um, all the, We're almost old enough to drink. I know, right? Mm. <laughs> Um, so all our the books we've talked about and the links that we mentioned will be there, um, and you know check out. Hopefully in August we will have our interview with JD Lakey. And um, where can people find you on the social medias? Well, you can find me on Goodreads at goodreads.com slash JMT Rivera or at Twitter. At Dr. Jeanette, that's D R J E A N N E T T E. And there's links to both of those on the show notes, too. So you can find me from there. Right. How about you, Tara? I'm most active on Twitter at this point, uh, but you can find me at uh, my Twitter name, which is Tara Newman, T A R A N E W M A N. Or, you know, go to the Eclectic Readers Goodreads page and hang out with us there. Great. And Meredith? Well, you can find me on Goodreads, Twitter, and Litzy, though I am spending most of my time on Litzy because everyone over there is awesome. Um, and I can't and wait you for us. you guys. I, well, yeah. I'm sorry, Android users. It's coming soon. And then you can join Lies. in on the office. Um, but um, what um, you, you can find me. Let's see. What is my handle? It's the same on all three. I tried to make it easy on myself. Mayor the book gal. Yes, right? Mare the Book Gal. And yeah. Mare is M-E-R-E. <laughs> what about you, Susan? Where can we find you? Oh, okay, people can find me on Goodreads under Sue Lyons or on the Eclectic Readers page. Um, you can find me on Twitter under Dudi Kaichel, which is R-U-R-I underscore K-A-I-C-H-O-U and Google Plus under Susan Lyons. I do a lot of um, book links and things like that. Like I linked several things for National Book Lovers Day. So, yeah. And um, if you could please, um, if you love our podcast or even any other podcasts on the other net on on the network, um, if you could support us at sunriserobot.net slash support. Special thanks to Benji Robinson, Carolyn Kraut, and Jode Edwards. Thank you, you guys are so awesome. much Thank um, you. for help keep us going and plugging along here. Um, and if you would like to subscribe to your favorite podcatcher, uh, podcatcher so you never miss an episode, um, that way you don't even have to look at the website to see if the episode is dropped. It will just be pushed right to whatever device you're listening to podcasts on. Um, If you can rate and view us on iTunes so other people and fellow book lovers can find us and have more discussion. Pretty please? Yes, that'd be wonderful. (laughs) All right, guys. So then let's show this until next month. All right. Bye. 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 Bye.